When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following content is not suitable for children. George, we got a serious subject about something that's so painful. And we want to talk about helping couples heal affairs. Tough work. It can mm-hmm. be really transformative work, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. So, you know, a couple calls us, and one of the things at my center... I try to get people in within 24 hours because it's such a crisis when an affair has been discovered. You know, it's it's so painful, often to both people, which is hard for the person who feels betrayed to hear. But a lot of people who have affairs, they it's not a good solution, but it is a solution to something that they don't feel they can fix in any other way. But oftentimes it's against their own value system. And, you know, when it all comes crashing down, they're faced with huge problems that have just been made worse in the marriage. Absolutely. I think that's one of the big challenges as a couples therapist. How do you hold the two truths that one, the person who betrayed has broken their vows and needs to accept responsibility for that. That's the starting point, Mm -hmm. but also expanding the frame to try to get both partners to look at the dynamics, the context, right, of the couple's relationship. Mm -hmm. That always influences, you know, there's always things that happen. It's not the relationship's fault. I mean, this person made a decision, Mm -hmm. but the more that you try to look at those dynamics, you're trying to replace it. The repair work is about creating a positive cycle. It's not about returning to marriage before the affair. It's making a better marriage, right? A marriage of deeper communication. It's learning lessons from the affair. And to do that, you really got to look at the context of that relationship. Right. Right. Sometimes I I tell people, you know, maybe that marriage is dead. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the decision is, do you want a different and a new marriage? And it's, it's really hard what you're saying, because I agree, affairs don't happen in a vacuum. Usually they happen within a context of problems. And that doesn't mean that it's the relationship's fault. But on the other hand, I think people are responsible for the marriage before the affair happened. And They're responsible for it afterwards, you know, to decide, okay, why did this happen to us? What was going on between us? What was missing? Why did my partner feel like this was a solution? 
I, I mean, I think it's so easy to say, well, that partner was just wrong and bad. And it can feel that way to the person who was betrayed. I mean, it really can feel like, I don't know who you are. You know, we were going along great. Sometimes it's a big surprise. Yeah. And it's the time and has to be right. I mean, for a lot of people, they can't look at the relationship dynamics because they have PTSD. I mean, it's they so do. traumatic. The world gets turned upside down. They don't deserve what has just happened to them, right? They're not ready to look at it. And you need to meet them in that place and contain them and make them feel safe and you know, it's, it's helpful for me to see affairs as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I agree. Right? I, I tell people when they call, don't be surprised if you get lost driving to the grocery store. I mean, it's just so upsetting to their world. It's like, you know, the whole world kind of crumbles and the person who was betrayed is saying, I didn't deserve this. And the person who acted out is often saying, I'm not just a bad person. I mean, both people need to be seen and, and held during that time. And it's, it is difficult. And that's why it's helpful to put structure in the process mm -hmm. to understand. You have to really do triage in the beginning. You just kind of pull people out of this drowning water that they're in. Mm -hmm. right? And then as they, they're on dry land, then it's a little easier to start putting it into a cycle, start putting it into how people protect themselves, start kind of putting it in a larger framework than just the details. Right. I mean, I think as therapists, it's just such a time. If there were ever a time for therapy, that's the time for it. And, you know, and we're there to help manage the rage and the pain and just the world falling apart. And I think the person who acted out, their sense of shame, often humiliation and pain and their anger you know, like maybe I haven't been heard in all these other ways and now you're listening to me finally. And it's just, it's a volatile time. I would say, you know, one thing not to do is tell everybody you know what happened and don't tell your kids what happened, not in the beginning. You know, it's like tr try to wait until the waves have stopped crashing a little bit before you make decisions about who to trust with this information and who to tell. I, You know, I think people are just flinging about and they don't realize that there's an afterwards where they might want their privacy, you know, they might want to calm down a little bit and that their children probably don't necessarily need to know about the marital content. Right. That's the balance of a lot of people who've been betrayed will obsess over the details, right? And that mm. hypervigilance is a sign of post-traumatic stress, right? But really what they're looking for is meaning. Like, what were the mm -hmm. motives? What, why did my partner do this? They're trying to answer the why question, because if they could understand the why and they could understand mm -hmm. what needs to change, they can start trusting that it won't happen again. Yeah. And they're looking to do that through all these details. Mm -hmm. They're looking for the why, but they often ask the what questions. What happened? Where did you do it? How many times did you do it? How many times did you go down on her? I mean, all this stuff that, that they think, if I can just know these things, then I will feel more solid. You know, this is the mystery. This is what I can't see. This is the black box. So they're trying to see into the black box mm -hmm. to hope to get some sense of why it happened. But I, I do often tell people, like, you know, try to stay away from the details because it it makes it more and more vivid for the person who was betrayed. It's like now it's a film that plays over and over in their head. Yeah, and I think that's the doorway is the details, but don't get lost in the details. 
What do you mean there? What do you so mean? if if somebody's wanting, and how many times did you go down? I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about well, what are we looking for in the answer to that question, mm-hmm. right? If you understand the play by play, that's going to help you feel what? What's the emotion driving the question? That's mm-hmm. really what we're trying to get answered. Mm-hmm. So it's it's using the details. I'm not going to say no, no. We're not going to talk about the details because that's the hope of somebody that says. Mm. If you're willing to talk about something difficult like this, I, I feel like I could start earning trust with you. I know it doesn't feel good to say these things, but you're being honest with me, and honesty is what I need to start repairing. Mm-hmm. So there's there's really a good longing in wanting the details, mm-hmm. the dynamics that a detailed conversation brings about. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes people don't know the risks of those details, of getting things stuck in their head, mm-hmm. right? Of hearing information they can't unhear. And... So it's that balance. You, and, you, you, know, so, you, you, wait, you're saying something really important. You're saying you don't tell people, don't tell the details. You, you examine the question first to try to figure out what the meaning is behind the question so that then they get the answer that they're looking for, really. Like, so if it's how many times did you go down on them? You know, maybe it's about how intimate did you feel with them? How safe did you feel with this person? How much did you risk sexually? You know, did you do something with them that you don't do with me? I mean, there's, there's lots behind it versus, but you know, when they're alone, just answering that question kind of baldly, I think may not get to the meaning that their partner has behind it. But I understand what you're saying. I, I, I think that's a really good point that not to necessarily just carte blanche say, don't, let's not talk about that. It's like, let's talk about it. And, but get you the answer that you're really looking for. Most people don't recognize why they need the details so much. Mm-hmm. And that's why they need the space to really try to, in a non-judgmental way, say, what are you really looking for? What's the longing driving the question? Mm-hmm. Right? There's an emotional need there that they most often can't articulate. Mm-hmm. But if you get curious about what is it about going down, like the details of that, yes, all the things that you're saying, did mm-hmm. you do things with your partner that this other person you didn't do with me? Did you access new parts of yourself that you haven't? I mean, mm-hmm. they're important questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are important questions. And they do reveal kind of the relationship problems between the, the primary couple. Right. Mm. Just as you say that, I can, I can, I've sat with so many people who have had affairs and I can just feel that today on my shoulders, the pain of all of it. I, I know how painful it feels and how betrayed they feel. And it, it's so much easier to say, well, you're just a bad person. If you can't understand further why this person did this and in context of your own relationship, I mean, it really leaves it unstable to continue on with them. The two big questions that I think most affair offended partners are looking for and to be answered is one do you think your partner understands what this has done Mm -hmm. right because if they really get how it turned your world upside down right when you can look in your partner's eyes and you see reflected back there feeling your pain you start Mm -hmm. to feel like and that's why they want to go into the details they want to get a sense that you think they're not alone in this pain And then two, do you think your partner would do it again? Mm-hmm. Right? You really need that question to be, no, I, I think my partner has learned, we've learned from this, like that this wouldn't happen again. And that right. takes time. Right, right. 
Let's come back and talk a little bit more about those two questions to explore it further. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey, I just want to take a minute to thank our Patreon supporters. I am very grateful for what you've done, and we'd love to invite the rest of you in on our mission. Your support means more than you realize, and it keeps this project moving forward, and we're really hoping to reach greater heights. Find a link on foreplayradiosextherapy.com or foreplayrst.com, and we are so thankful for your support. Frustrating low libido can be, well, frustrating. Sound familiar? Visit ADD yi.com slash foreplay and complete your online consultation today to see if Addy or Flavanserin is right for you. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive low sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past and who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and dry mouth. See full PI, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Visit addyi.com slash foreplay. We at Foreplay are excited about Addy, and to help share the love, our listeners can now schedule their Addy consultation for only $10. To see if Addy is right for you, visit Addy.com and use the coupon code FOREPLAY at checkout to redeem this offer. That's code FOREPLAY at ADDYI.com. So when you say, you know, do you think your partner understands in the repair, it isn't enough for the person to just say they're sorry, right? Mm. So sorry I hurt you. I'll never do it again. The only way we really can feel safe with our partner again is to see that they got it, that they got how badly we hurt when that happens, right? If you're looking in your partner's eyes and they're in defense or they're in shame or they're wanting to move forward again, that doesn't help. We, we want the partner who acted out in the marriage to really get the partner's pain that was betrayed. And once they see that, I, I think you're right, it unravels something and starts to move them towards safety. Exactly. The sorry is a tricky word because most people who have 
are the offender, right? Mm -hmm. Their sorry is really saying, I don't like how I feel and I don't want to feel this anymore and I want to get this over as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. right? And there's remorse there and there's shame there and they feel bad, but it's really about them. Mm -hmm. That's why the word sorry is oftentimes not enough. Mm -hmm. It's the emotional state that the sorry is delivered in that matters the most. So if my sorry, if I betrayed you, right, and my sorry was focusing on your pain, then mm -hmm. that's a real story that starts to stick, right? Mm -hmm. It's the empathy in the sorry that says, I'm willing to feel this pain because I caused it. I don't mm -hmm. want to leave you alone in it. Whenever you want to talk about it, I'll show up for you there because I don't want you to face this alone, mm -hmm. right? That, that's a sorry. That's a patient sorry. Mm -hmm. which it's a setup for both people. The offender wants this to go as quick as possible and a person's betrayed. It's slow because it's going to take time for them to trust. So it's a slow yeah. process. And that's why there's such a mismatch in these conversations. Mm -hmm. But when you can get the offender to buy in, to recognize that, you know, there's an opportunity in this pain. There's an opportunity in the empathy for you to have levels of connection that you've never had before to show up for your partner in a way no one else ever has before. And that's why couples that learn to have these conversations, you know, afterwards, it's crazy when it's happening, you would never think it's possible, but afterwards can say things like, it's the best thing that ever happened to us. We have a degree of intimacy we've never had before, mm -hmm. you know, when having these conversations. Yeah, I've heard this said, and I think it's true, you know, that marriages can actually be stronger and better after affairs. And you think when something with that of that magnitude hits a marriage, you know, it would forever be weakened. Mm -hmm. But but actually the rebuild process maybe repairs things that, you know, never have been challenged and repaired in the past. And so there can be a strength and a, a new beginning. Yes. I think that's the most hopeful thing. You know, everybody, right, when they get married, they say, This is the line in the sand. If you ever cross this line, I'm just gonna leave you. And then they're faced with that and they don't necessarily want to leave the marriage. And the person who was betrayed feels ashamed of that, that, well, I should just leave. I'm weak. I'm foolish. You know, I was fooled and now I look ridiculous for staying in this thing. And it's, it's hard, but I think the hopeful place is, at, you know, most people don't leave when there's an affair. And if they actually go through the process of rebuilding, there's hope. You can have something better, more true, more real than that you had before. And there's real science behind how couples can repair and forgive and actually create a positive cycle that might not have been in place before the affair happened, right? And that's the opportunity. I always encourage couples. I mean, it's, it's everyone's personal decision on what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And some people just can't face life it's changed too much and they go their separate ways and you know that's their call to make sure but i always i always like give it a shot see if you could learn redeem that what happened there to create something you've never had before and if you mm -hmm. can't do it you can let go and you know hold your head up high that you just couldn't overcome you know the damage to this mm -hmm. right but I, I really respect this is such hard work and, you know, when, when couples are, are willing to kind of try that, I mean, it, it really inspires me. Mm -hmm. I agree. It is hard. And I, I would want to say a little note here, you know, affairs are about sex and they're also often not about sex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more complicated than just sex. Although I think a sexual opportunity, right, is something that 
many people maybe haven't felt and the temptation is is pretty strong and they go for it and then they're in it but they kind of get into it unconsciously they haven't examined you know why they're vulnerable to that moment all of that examination in retrospect is helpful to develop them and figure it out i i almost think the the worst case scenario is the person who says well i'd never have an affair and kind of is blind to all the risks out there mm-hmm. i think that they're more vulnerable yeah it's a good point and again those little lessons that could be learned in these mm-hmm. affairs mm-hmm. that most of them do start out as just interest and good conversations and you know it, it's a slippery slope because I, I, I like the statistic that the partner in the affair gets 90% of your levels of engagement but only 10% of your time I mean they get all your passion your energy <laughs> all the good stuff no right. wonder why that affair and then your partner at home gets 90% of your time but 10% of your engagement you're falling mm-hmm. asleep you're watching TV I mean there's there's We've always talked about the secret of any relationship is based on the quality of the engagement. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, if your engagement levels are really low, if the distance in your marriage is really great, you're more at risk of somebody else coming along who's interested in laughing at your jokes, thinks you look good. And, you know, and before right. you know it, you start, you know, your body doesn't care about the values or the morals and it starts to kind of turn in that direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So, again, I think it's. It is important to learn, you know, what was working in that fair affair so I can kind of rekindle that with my partner. And again, it's not giving an excuse. It's just trying to learn lessons. Right. Exactly. It's hard to compete with that energy and, you know, sort of the constant best foot forward, sneaky time away and only talking about the good stuff other than, you know, sometimes in a marriage, you, you need to do that. You need to prioritize that. I often think. If the person, you know, if couples would put into their marriage, maybe 25% of the good stuff that one person puts into an affair, you know, like, I didn't know there was time to go out. I didn't know there was money for hotel rooms and lingerie and all this stuff. It's like, just put 25% of that into your marriage right now, you know, and see a big turnaround. Right. One of the attractive things about the affair, and we keep stressing in this podcast, the importance of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're willing to break your vows and the person on the other end is willing to sleep with a married partner, there's vulnerability in that, mm-hmm. right? There's shame. There's, there, there's a lot of emotion that that a fair couple deals with and talks about with each other. Mm-hmm. So again, how do we bring that more alive back into the marriage? Because mm-hmm. if you just stop the behavior, but you don't feed, you know, you don't deal with the distance, it just goes back to a similar dynamics. Right. So healing, mm-hmm. the, the first person has to own responsibility and express regret and really feel the hurt of what mm-hmm. they've done. And, and without defense, it's like, I, this is this is so hard when we've hurt somebody to feel their pain. You know, mm-hmm. we just want to move away from that. I don't want to see myself as somebody who could have hurt somebody else. And it's a great move when that offending partner can be more proactive. They could initiate the conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, if they had an affair and 
New York City and the couple's headed to New York City, they say, hey, I know this is a hard place to go to. Yes. You know, there's going to be lots of triggers here. But you know what? We're going to make new memories and you could talk to me whenever you want. It's that proactive nature, the offended partner. It's so counterintuitive because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to feel it. But when they they see the opportunity to be there for their partner in a way no one else has before, it's empowering for both. Absolutely. And the person who had the affair is just hoping that their partner won't notice, you know, that that the movie, you know, there's an affair in it and their yeah. na- they just heard their neighbor had an affair. It, it's like everywhere people turn after there's been an affair they that's impacted them, they see it. It's everywhere. It's such a great move. I love your example of the movie. You know, when the offender comes out of the movie and initiates and says, wow, that must have been hard for you in that scene yes. in the movie. It's like, yes, thank yes. you. I can talk about this. Right. And I don't have becomes- to hold it inside and be alone. Right. in my pain and those are the moments where the couple starts to see the opportunity for deeper intimacy through the doorway of the affair that's the irony here mm-hmm. right and it starts to build that safety it starts to repair that trust but mm-hmm. ultimately to heal the person who is betrayed is going to have to ask for help mm-hmm. when that fear comes and that pain comes and it feels so counterintuitive to ask for help it with does. the person who has hurt you it does because that requires trust and they don't trust their partner. It's like, why would I rely on somebody who has hurt me when I need them so much? They're the one who understands my pain the most, but so hard to reach out and say, you know, look at, I got triggered, you know, in this repair process, you know, I need you to put your arms around me. I need you to tell me you're never going to do it again, which I agree a false or a quick, sorry, doesn't help. But on the other hand, it's going to be current for a long, long time and learning to say you're sorry a lot, you know, says I'm thinking of it. If you're the person who acted out, I'm thinking of it. So then the person who is hurt doesn't always have to carry the burden of thinking about it and remembering it alone. Exactly. And a lot of times people want to go to that way too quick. We mm-hmm. usually wait later in the process to ask for what you need because you mm-hmm. have to get everything else more calmed down and structure in place and understand mm-hmm. the cycle dynamics and the details all of the stuff just takes some time to build that trust slowly to get to the point where you can jump off the cliff and have your partner catch you Absolutely. right to really ask for that reassurance that mm-hmm. says you know when when i think about the affair i go to a place where i feel unlovable i feel unworthy i feel not attractive mm. Right. And I need you mm-hmm. to kind of believe that we're going to get back to that place, Yeah, that you're going to do whatever it takes. And that when they can ask for that and their partner can give it and they can start taking in the partner's response, that's when you know the couple is on that really strong path towards recovery. Right. And recovery is when the relationship becomes the safe haven again for both Beautiful. parties. Right. Thank you for listening. We know this is a tough subject. We know many of you have struggled with this. Uh, you have our hearts, our prayers for recovery. It's tough. We, we'd also like you to, again, invite you to follow us on Instagram, foreplay underscore radio sex therapy. We will probably post something about affairs on there too, a, a nice graphic. So thanks for listening. Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes.
All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.